Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon TCG discussion and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Sinitsu. This week, we will be discussing the newly announced RB01 Rising Wind set. Listen to us on your favorite podcasting networks. Link in the description below or find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. On top of that, this is also live-streamed on twitch.tv slash Zenitsu, and also uploaded as a YouTube video under the YouTube channel of Zenitsu. So, this episode kind of didn't fit into our normal schedule, as we felt the need to address the issue topic as it addressed itself, uh, instead of, you know, down the line when it may or may not be a problem. So I guess this does come with its flavor of, we are talking about it now, of something that is very far in the future that may not be an issue by the time we get there but the point is is that the current topic of discussion is that it may be an issue as it currently stands and this is just our general first reaction and thoughts to it so if you ever disagree with anything that we say that's fine you don't need to get all huffity um just because like we're trying to think about the game itself, what this means, and try to take in the information ourselves. So each person has a different way of coping with uh, this type of news and information, and we're just here to give our general thoughts on it. So sorry if there's any hot takes in uh, the podcast at all. Just wanted to put that up front, because there might be. Yeah, so this is in response to... The information we have kind of just gotten indirectly, of course, information never comes directly from the source we would like it to be from, is which Bandai, but we it's the downside of living in the past, or, you know, behind Japan at least, because we get things secondhand almost from them, and they just have a history of changing things as they adapt their Japanese product to an American audience in, in English in the card game, as we saw with the uh, starter deck 11, I believe it was. The Thai starter deck was supposed to be a reprint starter deck meant to ease the uh, power and budget of a lot of the harder-to-get like starter deck cards that we're still seeing play and still very much needed to play in those spaces. And then... What did, you know, English Digimon do? They broke that up and made them box toppers and made it almost irrelevant and barely affected the prices of those cards. Which was really unfortunate, but not necessarily the most surprising thing, uh, considering, like, uh, just the sheer facts that they changed box ratios between English and Japan, we got Special Booster 1.0 and 1.5 to try to play this catch-up, not catch-up game. Um, so, like, we've always had some slight differences. Even just promo distribution has been different. So, like, them changing a product for us is not out of the blue. It's not something unprecedented. It's just the manner in which they're doing it is uh, what people are taking alarm of. Yeah, and with that, we have this reprint set that was announced for Japan, and, you know, I've given my opinions on the idea, uh, other people have given their thoughts on, do we need a reprint set, 
you know, what should go in a reprint set, what should a reprint set accomplish, all of that. And regardless of our opinions on it, you know, Bandai answered the question by just making the product that they made. And they're basically saying these are the cards that they thought needed to be reprinted. These are the cards that they thought still had reason to see play. And therefore, people, they wanted people to have access to those cards. Uh, kind of the greatest hits of the first couple sets of all the cards that are still seeing play. Cards that are still relevant in certain decks. And then we get the announcement, we being the English North American audience, as the just distribution level announcement of the cards as we get a release date trickled down through distribution channels and with that we got a text box that i know zanitsu can read for us here that is just the gts distribution selling this product to card stores to make orders because it doesn't come out until august Yep, so uh, RB1 Rising Wind comes out, uh, as of right now, the tentative release date is uh, August 18th. Stores have about 21 days as of the recording of this uh, podcast to be able to pre-order it. If you're unfamiliar, like, why we get so much information this far out, even though the product is coming out in uh, August, it's because they need time to take those orders and print those orders and be able to meet the demand. So they have to get this out as soon as they possibly could. So that's where and why this information is coming out now. Um, so what is inside of uh, Rising Wind? Well, according to GTS, there is uh, question mark special packs limited to 36 card types. Um so they're not 100% sure on what this is themselves with the question mark. Um, these packs will feature all new text and a limited number of card, uh, limited number of types for a greater chance to find rare cards. The character lineup is going to be focused on the Ghost Games anime. This set also includes uh, many cards of the Digimon starring in that series. Um, question mark and new pack size uh, for Digimon card game to attract more users. Uh, packaging now includes a special promo card uh, for a set. When, uh, sorry, I'm really bad at reading. Um, when placed in stores, uh, the uh, packaging draws in users uh, to make for an easier purchase. Question mark, uh, one of seven uh, PR cards uh, included. Featuring one uh, PR, uh, one rare PR card, and then one of seven exclusive PR cards are included. Uh, the PR cards are alt art cards from the main set, so from the uh, 36 cards. And then one of them will have a uh, low pull rate as an alt art uh, serious mon. So that's Gamamon's mega level inside of the set, if anyone's curious. Um, and then it gets. Uh, reprint buyers with incredibly rare cards and then the rarity breakdown is there's going to be 10 commons seven uncommons 12 rares six super rares one secret rare combining for a total of 36 cards also includes alternate cards and then as far as like how the boxes go we have zero information on what the actual size of the boxes are we just have um, some generic information where one booster pack will contain 12 cards. One booster display box 
will contain 12 boxes, and then one case will have four display boxes. So just from the language from that bit alone at the end, it's not going to be your normal booster box that we're used to buying. So it's probably going to be something more akin to the premium pack set, where it's probably just maybe, again, hyperbole, uh, using it as a point of comparison, like four packs in a little display thing with a promo inside, and that's kind of all it's going to be, um, of just the new cards from Rising Wind in Japan. Uh, I've heard grumblings from Japan, second hand, not first hand, um, via just watching a couple of Japanese box openings and uh, reading some posts online, that apparently the Japanese pull rates for the new cards and even just the old reprint cards is not super great, which isn't uncommon considering if you look at the size of our Special Booster 1.0, that was a fairly large set, and the pull rates for that were absolutely bad. They were really bad compared to what we have right now. Um, so getting rares and getting super rares, the ones that you want was just super hard. And that was kind of reflected in the Japanese side of things. So maybe this shift was to try to accommodate, um, just trying to make it easier to get the new cards, cut all of the old cards out. Um, just because like, they're not supposed to acknowledge a secondary market. They probably don't. Um, but the majority of the cards that were reprinted weren't necessarily super expensive. Only a small handful of cards are actually, like, really valuable, Um, which, again, some of them were in that set. Would have been nice, but we currently just don't have enough information to, like, really say what exactly this product is, just because this is the distributors trying to sell it to the stores. So the stores can try to sell it to us. So there's obviously going to be more information. Um, GTS has usually been people's go-tos because they could look this up, but GTS doesn't necessarily have exactly all of the information, and they're going to release more closer to the release date. Yeah, so that was a pretty good description of the information that we have. Uh, Thank you for doing that. I know that was a lot of reading. But one thing I wanted to point out here was that this is a look into... I know a lot of players have expressed concerns in the past with, oh, my uh, LGS only got five boxes, and they you know, all got sold out on the day that the product came out, and they won't be getting any more, and I guess I can't buy, you know, BT7, BT8, 9, what have you, because... Or my... LGS isn't getting any BT9 or EX2, and this is kind of why, because you know one you know one peek behind the curtain that this is the distribution model of the United States at least, and stores order from distributors who actually get from I believe the factory printing of the cards themselves, packaging, what have you, but. This is kind of the bread and butter when it comes to whether your LGS will have the cards or not and have as much as you can buy, like mine has traditionally been in the last couple sets, I guess since BT5. Or prior to that, they had issues where they couldn't get product. They couldn't get any more than the 10 or 12 boxes of 1.0 or 1.5 that sold out to pre-orders before I knew the card game existed. 
And but since then, obviously the Digimon community has grown. There is a consistent, you know, source of revenue in this. They, they have faith in the product, basically. So my LGS and the LGSs in my area all have an abundant supply of Digimon because they order it. Like, I mean, I know my LGS got burned pretty bad on EX1 because, I mean, you know, maybe they didn't do their due diligence and they didn't read these little descriptions. They didn't communicate with anyone who actually played the card game and knew a little bit more about it, but they the same amount of EX1 as they did BT5. And anyone that's opened EX1 would know that you basically get a full master set of the entire collection in like two two and a half boxes and you don't really need to buy any more than that and so people buying whole cases of ex1 didn't really happen and therefore whole cases of ex1 still sit on my shelf at my lgs today and that's why if you look at like tcg player the booster box is usually like dirt cheap it's like 35 40 bucks usually us usd of course um, and, like, Japanese card games generally all kind of do this. It is not a print-to-demand game. It is print by pre-order. So the more stores pre-order, the more gets printed, so that way the more can go into the player's hands. Usually at the start of the card game, uh, we're seeing this right now with One Piece, uh, they just, they have to lowball themselves and it's going to piss a lot of people off, but they need to know that everything is going to sell out and there is viability in the product and it is a profitable and marketable product, which, again, both Digimon and One Piece did at their launch. And it sucks. Not that I'm saying that I want to play One Piece, uh, but if I did, I can't get cards. And that's where people uh, were kind of like drawing this correlation from uh, with Digimon and how it released and why they really wanted this like best hits of block zero uh, sets one through five reprint is because those cards were underprinted compared to a lot of uh, the current sets based on just how Japanese print card games, which is print by pre-order. I mean, I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's, you know, a Japanese exclusive thing. It's they, yeah, they print to demand in but the demand of the stores not the demand of the consumers so if the stores don't order it then it won't get printed and that has some benefits and some downsides because honestly i as much as i love card games and i love the fact that my lgs exists i still don't really imagine how they turn a serious profit only because the margins are so tight and there are so many failing products as opposed to the few successful products. And for every, like, yeah, for every BT6, I want to say that my LGS sold up completely. And I haven't seen a BT6 box there since the first couple, we couple weeks of the expansion. But the actual, like, the, the reality is, is that other sets or other card games get bought and they sit on shelves. I remember when Vanguard re-re-relaunched or whatever have you in May and a couple of my friends and I all bought cards for that set and then maybe two sets in I had already stopped playing. It wasn't really for me. I just wanted to play with them and I saw 
you know, new set after new set released that had been pre-ordered, what, six months prior, seven months prior, all this hype, all this announcement, to basically no player base. And I don't even know if we ever even had a Locals Vanguard scene enough to be supported between Magic and Flesh and Blood and Digimon and uh, the Dragon Ball card game, Pokemon, I think, a little, Yu-Gi-Oh!, how else are these other card games going to compete? And this is really what LGS has have to evaluate them on as standalones. Okay, how successful is the Digimon card game going to be? And how successful is this set going to be for that card game six months in the future? Yeah, like, the they do have to shut the faucet off. It's not like uh, stores can just go back and uh, order... Um, Special Booster 1.0. So that's why they usually give the window um, for stores to pre-order, and then once that's it, that's it. Um, and that's what makes it so, like, these older sets are harder to get. But at the same time, um, like, there's still plenty of stock for a lot of the product available. Like, I could go in and still buy, uh, not necessarily um, 1.0 itself to open, but on the secondary market, there's still plenty of those cards floating around. Like, it's not like there's an actual shortage on those cards. Yes, some of them are creeping up in price just because more people are coming in, buying up that supply. And then now, because there's no new supply hitting the secondary market, what's there is creeping up. And that's kind of like what happens to a lot of card games. And usually, again, reprints help cool that. But... We're at a point in Digimon where not all of the old cards, even if they are good, are getting used and are played. Like, decks no longer need BT1 tie. Like, we have BT8 hero, even though, yes, it's doing a different thing. But, again, we have comparable replacements, and depending on the deck, it just doesn't even want it entirely. Like, look at uh, Black War Greymon. Black War Greymon X from the new set. I've seen so many Japanese lists and even a lot of, like, English early playtesting streams. No one's running that card. So, I like, it's, it's still a good card, don't get me wrong. It's just, depending on how you want to play, you could wisely position yourself to not need those old cards, and Bandai is doing a better job at not necessarily power-creeping them out of existence, but making it so you don't really need those old cards. Yeah, and I guess good or bad, I've also given my piece on that subject. I mean, you don't need reprints if you just power creep the older cards out of existence, like BT1 tie. And um, so if, you know, good that you don't need to buy old expensive cards just for the sake of them being old and harder to get, but bad in the form of you have to constantly keep improving the cards or you end up with that anyway. And then everyone still needs BT1 tie. And the fact that you are making the other cards stronger just kind of breaks the game for no reason. But um, so they came out with this reprint set. And as I need to find out here, I'm kind of glossing over here that so the English announcement of the reprint set you know, and it's mi mixed release, um, or I guess mixed reception in Japan, is that uh, we aren't getting any of the actual reprints by the GTS distribution wording. 
we are only getting the new cards, the cards that will actually be printed RB01, because as the game has 100 Agumons in it, you have to refer to a card ultimately by its printing, not by its name, because saying I, I play Agumon means nothing. If you can't say I play BT5072 Agumon, and that's what you put on your card list for an official event that would have a printed list of a printed deck list like uh, some of the larger local events I've gone to or something like Nats will have. But we're missing those reprints. We're not getting by this description those reprints. We're just getting a smaller alt set that is very yeah, the uh, premium booster esque that will only contain the small count of new cards and that the English release will never see a true reprint set. At least as of right now, because the other rumor has it where it's just like, okay, maybe they just split the product, um, where it's just like, okay, we're still getting the reprints, it's just going to be in a more dedicated reprint prod, uh, like reprint set. And I don't necessarily hate that idea and hate that sentiment, just because, again, the larger your set, the harder it is to be able to pull exactly what you need. Um, and if the goal in objective is to get cards into players' hands, then just shoving them all off into their own separate little prod like uh, product is probably more beneficial. So that way, if you don't care about any of the ghost game cards and you don't care about Gamamon, you don't need to buy into this uh, special product. Where Japan, they were kind of forced to, and they were like, okay, we just want the new cards, or we just want the old cards. So uh, by catering to everybody, they made nobody happy um, it, to an extent. And part of the reason why they even did the reprints to begin with was to try to fix the um, limitations on Asian territories outside of Japan for some of their special promos, just because they had a distribution problem. So maybe they could use that type of uh, a product to try to fix some of ours as well. Uh, in the future if there is any so it's not necessarily all doom and gloom that it didn't necessarily according to the description get a full like hundred something set made out of it we just still don't know the full scope on what bandai is trying to play with and the cards they're trying to lay out for us yeah i i think this would be a good time maybe to move out of just description of the events and more so our reactions to them and because i was actually really disappointed when i heard of the reprint set because i am someone who have been avidly collecting the game since its beginning and have gone back and collected cards that i wasn't able to get originally or cards that oh i wasn't a blue player i've never played a blue deck so i didn't have any of the 1.0 1.5 like blue staples and if i wanted to play a blue deck i needed to pick those up and stuff like that but i have done that and so when i saw that the the reprint set was going to be more than just reprints i was a little upset because i don't need reprints i only need new cards so this rising wind you know premium product whatever is technically more akin to something i would want but I know I'm not every Digimon player. I know I'm not even the average Digimon player by, you know, purchasing, you know, or product standards. And therefore, we should have that alternative product for those that do think those 
cards are too expensive or unobtainable or what have you because i mean this this is basically what i would prefer them to do if they were going to rotate the card game and introduce a rotation this would be core set 2024 or whatever like magic does they always do it in the summer of the year like proceeding so core set 2020 comes out in summer of 2019 and it sets the stage for what is therefore legal moving forward after rotation and this was the greatest hits of the first couple sets of the card game and while rotation probably doesn't need to happen as you know we've talked about because of the aforementioned continuous uh power creep of the card game there's no reason to like ban argomon level six that wouldn't get reprinted darn argomon level six can't use it anymore because no one's using it anyway and if you're using stuff from even two or three sets ago you're probably wrong so this was just shoring up the holes of the few cards that do see play yeah i mean my first knee-jerk reaction uh was kind of similar to yours um, I am in a very interesting position where I have consistently bought a, a case of every single set of Digimon all the way up until uh, now. Um, right now, I don't have anything past BT11 pre-ordered um, just because I stopped pre-ordering because that was the worst decision I decided to make. Um, but I needed to do it early in the game's life in order to ensure that I get product. Um, but uh, the reason why I stopped was because I had... Uh, time delays because i wasn't necessarily buying it from my lgs because they were having a hard time so i was going through other avenues and uh i would get my product like literally a week to two weeks to sometimes even a month late and i was just super sick and tired of that so um recently i started asking my lgs if they would be able to can like get a case for me and they were just like yeah now there's no distribution issues we can get you a case very easily so yeah uh but I've consistently bought a case, so I'm just like, I heard the reprint set, and I'm like, cool. I can completely ignore it. I don't need to spend any money at all because I already have all of these cards. That was my very, very, very first reaction. Then they said, oh, by the way, there's new cards in it. And I'm like, ah, crap. Well, I guess I'm going to be going on TCG Player and buying all the singles as a full playset. And, like, that, that was just how I felt at that time. I understand that reprints are good for the game, keeps prices down, keeps the game in a more accessible state. Um, like, I'm I'm all for reprints, and Bandai has done a very good job reprinting quite a lot of cards quite often. I don't know if anyone's bothered to take a look at all of the alternate art uh, special edition cards of just how many times they reprint cards, even some of the dud cards they tend to reprint, but they reprint cards very often. So, again, me hearing the reprint set kind of was just like, okay, whatever. So, now that I heard um, that it Rising Wind for English, according to the description, is just going to be a standalone product, I'm like, oh, no reprints? Cool, I actually have a reason to buy it now. Um, and, again, I get not everyone is in this position like I am, but, like, that that's just my raw reaction to it and how I felt. Um, and that's why I kind of hope that for those players, we do get a reprint set, but again, we don't know everything that Bandai has lined up. They probably have everything for the entire year lined up, and they're just waiting 
on logistics to finalize things and figure things out as they're going along. So who knows? Maybe they're still trying to figure out what this is for us and how it's going to impact us and all of that jazz. So, like, I don't know. I've kind of, like, stooped on it, and I'm just... I'm kind of neutral at this point. I'm not angry. I'm not, like, overjoyed. I'm just neutral. Yeah. Um... I think that it's fair to address the concerns the community has with this product, especially with the fact that they're not adding the reprints that some many people believe needed to be added. And because of that, we end up in a world where what is going to... And I mean, I haven't looked at prices. I guess I should have looked at prices, but I know a lot of those cards that were in the reprint set that are now potentially not seeing a reprint have the freedom to just shoot into the moon because there's no ceiling in sight as far as you know this is the amount of product that's available this is the current going rate and you either pay it or you don't get the product and then you can't you know play this specific version of this deck or this many copies of that card and the way digimon is right now especially if you're not actively playing almost you know the razor's edge of defined lists you're kind of almost out of the running at least competitively Uh, that's the only really the method i speak to but you know we sit here and argue about ratios all day about what's better what's worse and you know depends on the results we see but the difference between you know two or three davis is usually uh, a deck choice thing, not so much a a method of do I have two or three Davis? And if that becomes the issue, you're almost removed from the discussion of, well, I only have two Davis, so I'm running two Davis. And I don't think it's better, it's just what I have. So, like, you're, the likelihood of you hitting those top tables at these kinds of events is less, just because of everyone else is running three because they think three is the best, not because they only have three. Yeah. Um, and, like, market aside, like, I remember reading, like, as the spoilers were coming out, a lot of people actually were very negative on the spoilers, on their initial, like, upcoming. It's just like, oh, why are we getting, uh, Lucimon reprinted? It's only $10. It's not worth it. Or why is BT5 Omnimon getting reprinted? Um, or, like, it, it... there was just a lot of cards that people were just like, I don't understand why this is getting reprinted. And they kind of just scoffed at it and didn't really want it. And I don't know if Bandai listened to any of that feedback while they already had this planned for Japan, but like that is something the community actually vocalized was they didn't want the majority of the cards that were being reprinted. It's like, I remember we were all hyped up and trying to speculate on what exactly was going to be coming out. I realized the pattern really quickly that it was just all cards from sets one through five. um, And that was kind of like their big cutoff, even the promos. And people were just like, we we don't need any of these. Like, we, we just don't. There's, again, that very small handful of cards, even the ones that were getting reprinted, that are even remotely worth it. And, um... Like, they do have alternative channels to be able to give us those reprints. Uh, granted, most of the time, the incentivization is to play in events to be able to get those cards. 
Uh, just like how the starter deck Greymon, as an example, literally just got a reprint as a participation promo for pre-releases in BT11. You want to get that card? The easiest way to get that card? Go play in your pre-release. Like, boom, done. They have ways, and they do that constantly to try to incentivize us to participate in their events. And, like, a reprint set, again, is still nice, but we have alternative ways that they have available to be able to give us cards. I think it's important to note here, too, that, um, is it, I don't know, it's not a, it's not one of our podcasts if it doesn't include, like, the super doomerous take, but, um, I don't know if there will be any shortage of older cards if the card game continues in its current trajectory, because there'll be plenty of people quitting and selling their old cards, so that'll be the reprint set when people quit and play One Piece. Yeah, like... Anyone who's saying we're not getting reprints, so I'm quitting the game, I think that's a little extreme. Um, just because, like, there's still, like I said, plenty of cheap decks to play uh, that are still good. It's still the cheapest card game, oh, right? By by a country mile. It's, and I know we did that a little while ago, but it th- those numbers haven't moved too, too much. It is still by far the cheapest card game to play in the top five. So if... If you want to play a big card game... Now, yes, I imagine people... If they want to go into the comment section and be like... Oh, I play the Mighty Number no. 9... The series card game... And it's cheaper. It's like, yeah, you and the three people that know that card game exists. I don't even know if that exists. I just made that up. But you know what I mean. Zenitsu knows plenty of card games that no longer exist... That nobody plays that may be cheaper. Or oh, maybe because nobody plays... They're more expensive. But the point being is that Digimon has retained and it was actually one of the takes i um i thought was the most measured doomer take was that digimon is fun and cheap if it loses one of those it ceases to be what it is so if it stops being fun it doesn't matter if it's cheap people will stop playing but if it stops being cheap i think it will also stop seeing people play because if you wanted to play a funner card game there are bigger better card games out there that have larger consistent locals audiences or have you know better well-structured competitive environments if that's what you're looking for in the form of flesh and blood who just announced like their whole new pro tour structure and a whole bunch of competitive support even magic back down and now they have a pro tour again kind of and but the point being is if you wanted to play a competitive card game just to play a competitive card game you wouldn't play digimon you'd play you play digimon to be a competitive guard game that is the cheapest competitive card game. I mean, just look at Yu-Gi-Oh! Decks are in the hundreds of dollars, um, and, like... You play Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively because you hate yourself. I I don't wish that upon anyone playing Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively, and I'm sorry for anyone who does. It's the eighth layer of hell. <laughs> it, it really is. I went back for a hot minute, and I, I was like, I do not like anything that I'm seeing here. Um, and, yeah. But, uh, regardless, like... Digimon is still a very, very cheap card game. So what if you can't get your hands on Magna Angemon? Don't play a deck that uses Magna Angemon. Simple. And don't done. play Secon anyway. I've I've been saying that since the beginning. You shouldn't be playing Secon. Nobody cares about Magna Angemon. <laughs> and that's like literally the most expensive base SR that we have. 
mostly because it's just an older card and there hasn't really been a good functional replacement for it. Uh, and it has this like niche inside of Mastimon as well. But again, even Mastimon's trying to phase that out because they're giving you more options. They're not necessarily better options all of the time. It's just more options allows you to be able to do more with the card game. So now that in uh, BT11, we're getting a new line of Anjuwamon and Lady Devimon. Compare that with the Mastimon starter deck one. Compare that with the uh, Maycrack line. Like, there's just other things that we could play that we don't necessarily need to hardlock ourselves into thinking this is a mandatory card. Now, if you're trying to play the most optimal version of the deck, sure, okay, that might be a mandatory thing at the highest competitive level, but if you're just sleeving up a deck, going to locals, and just trying to have fun, you don't need it. Same thing with Death X. It creeped up, and now it's creeping down, because people realized, oh, we just don't need it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it also speaks to the age of the cards, because uh, Death X is already kind of power crept out of existence, right? Like, I don't think uh, he is. It's just the play style doesn't it, allow for him well, to be good. The niche that he occupies is also occupied by the best deck in the format in multiple cards that it includes that don't need to be death x right yeah like you don't need to like you don't need to play a card that's an absolute bomb against a tamer deck when you can just kill all of their tamers and refuse to allow anyone to play tamer based decks that yeah uh, but that goes to, like, what I said before, where it's more of an environmental thing. So, like, part of the reason why, uh, at least in Japan, blue hybrids kind of, like, went away is because the environment shifted to where we're just not sitting with Digimon on our field all the time. Um, which we were back in BT7 and even BT8 because of how DNA worked. We needed to have Digimon on our field in order to DNA. So uh, that kind of just led to an environment where blue hybrids just ate those decks alive because they take advantage of how they wanted to play. Now that we're still kind of single stack based and we're not having a whole bunch of Digimon and even a whole bunch of Tamers on the field, uh, thanks to Black War, it's like, okay, what is Death X doing? Nothing. Like, the environment just doesn't allow him to be good. Not saying he's not a bad card, because he's still a very good card. Uh, and the second we're back in a go-wide format, uh, he's going to be an absolute menace. But we're currently not there, so he's currently not really that needed yeah um we probably should have put this at the beginning i i forgot and i've had it pulled up this whole time but we do have a response from bandai regarding the rising wind situation um it's pretty pre and doesn't really say anything but i would feel uh, obligated to say at least what they have given in response to the situation given the controversy that it is started in the last you know couple days uh so someone emailed bandai and that's where a lot of we get like official bandai information this is a reddit post of someone's email with bandai we appreciate your support for cardass club uh that's what you have to email they don't call themselves bandai they call themselves cardass that's hilarious uh we bandai have not yet announced any information concerning rbo1 english version please wait for updates on the official website and social media we will share your comments with the department in charge and use them as a reference in future product development. We work hard to deliver the best for everyone enjoying our English version products. Best regards, Cardass. So, 
that is a pretty generic response, but I feel like it's a very pointed response in the fact that they have not technically announced any information regarding our BO1 in English. The information we have that everyone is freaking out about is GTS's description of the product and nothing more. Like, we don't it's even technically know... technically secondhand information. Yeah, and we don't even know stuff like pull rates. Like, oh, how, like, going back to BT11, how is the campaign rares going to affect the booster boxes? Well, they don't have that information on the product description because that they're trying to sell you it. They're saying, oh, hey, look, this is something cool that's there. And, like, yes, the reprints is a, a selling point, but, again, it, secondhand information, it's not all there. They had even question marks in their own post. Um, they were at the beginning, so it felt like it was like a placeholder. But um, the like all, all the information they have, for the most part, besides the words they added of like, ooh, like campaign rare, you know, we'll sell more boxes because of that. Like them selling the product to the stores. But I'm pretty sure all the information they have can just be read from the physical product itself. That's about it. Like, they were provided, you know, images of the boxes, and, you know, you zoom in on the back, and you see the number of the cards in the set, you see a small description of the set, and that's really all they have. So, Bandai, you know, they do do English announcements for cards for anyone that lives with their head up their ass for six months and just refuses to see any spoilers for Japanese information or cards that are announced or... So if you're potentially someone who exists in that small hole, then you can find out about the cards for the first time as they're announced in English seven months after they're competitively legal in Japan. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at a booster box, and it does have most of that information on there. Uh, no, it does that, say, like, that, oh, yeah, there's a hundred... That was 100... me guessing. That was me knowing. Yeah, I, I just... I wanted to double-check, okay... No, I'm just saying, like, I knew they added other stuff, but for the most part, um, that's, that's all they have. And so we are freaking out about, or I say we, I'm not freaking out, I don't care. Um, people are freaking out about a description of a product that doesn't come out for six months and that currently Bandai has released zero promotional media for in any way. You know, yeah. you're, you're freaking out about the movie before we even seen the trailer yeah i mean like again not saying that none of it is not warranted uh but like this this is probably going to be one of the hottest takes that i've had um in a while i do have a lot of hot takes don't get me wrong um but i honestly this is what year three of digimon mm -hmm. um i still kind of think it's too early for reprints like, we've already gotten so many reprints just from them doing what they have been doing for the past two years. I I still not 100% even sold on the idea of a reprint set. Like, again, there's not that many cards from Blocks Zero, uh, as I'm labeling it, or Year One, how it sets one through five, that are still meta-playable and meta-defining. There's a couple, sure, and they have a high price, sure, but again, the way that they've been making the game, they, they've they given us more tools where we don't need them anymore. 
And if we do need them, they'll find a way to reprint them and give them to us. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think I think the bigger issue, as I mentioned earlier, is just that the cards are power crept out of the game. We don't need reprints because three sets after a card comes out, it's completely irrelevant. I mean, there are cards that show up in archetypes that are supported in later sets, but they're fewer and far between. Uh, especially as we move more into archetype-based design and away from generalities, because the first couple sets were very generic in that they were just supporting color ideologies and less archetypes. So, you know, why do I want BT1 tie when it doesn't say Greymon on it? So it might as well not exist. Or why would I play uh, this random blue tamer, you know, Davis, when there's another blue tamer that says blue flare on it. And then I want to play the one that says the deck I'm playing. I mean, that that is part of it. Um, I'm definitely not denying that. Um, usually archetypical design does want you to play stuff with inside of the archetype. And the more supported an archetype is, usually the more powerful it tends to be. At least that's what we're supposedly going to be seeing with uh, Greymon. Uh, just because Greymon has gotten so much support already and is getting more support and is getting another set of support and another set of support that, like, it is kind of a little bit on the overbloated side. But they're still printing, like, some really interesting generic-esque tools, um, like uh, Dorbikmon. Like, I, I love how Machine Dramon and Dorbikmon are played because you have a very unconventional wide plethora of cards that you could pull from. You have the color-based cards, you have the machine and cyborg-based cards, you just have, like, some generically decent cards that fit inside of the color. You have the ability to splash other colors. Like, not saying that archetypes aren't necessarily the end-all, be-all, um, but Digimon is kind of, at least the TCG, is finding interesting ways to be able to introduce other ways to be able to build decks. Um, but... Going back to the, the core of the, the conversation, the the fact that, yes, you, uh, Yuga, um, the Black yep. War Greymon Tamer, um, mm -hmm. he's going to be the he one that He says Greymon. Yeah, he says Greymon. <laughs> so, obviously, a lot of Greymon decks are going to want to run him I mean... instead of Ty. It's not saying that Ty is bad. Uh, just like how Mimi is, like, the only good green Tamer. Because um, there are no good green cards. There's good green cards, but, like... They haven't had a, a good green tamer to really, like, replace that Mimi, where at least, like, they're trying to sometimes add these, like, generic tools to be able to, like, replace them. Um, at least, like, the good ones, so you have substitutions. Like, I don't know. Um, but as we do move towards a more archetypical game, while still getting a couple of generic support cards here and there... Um, these older cards that are just more generic aren't necessarily seeing a lot of play. Like, you could even just look at a lot of Japanese decks, and some of them stop running the um, the Floodgate Rookies just because they don't fit inside of the deck's archetype. So they don't why, Raymond. Yeah, why, why are they being ran? <laughs> They're being ran mostly for that hate slot, but if that slot especially in best of one or best of three, trying to be hyper consistent as you possibly can. Like me putting in one Madoki Betamon into whatever blue deck I'm running, 
Like, if I see that Madoki Betamon and I need it to be a Gabumon, as an example, like, oh, that kind of just feels really bad, and now this card just feels like it just wasted a slot in my deck just because it's not going to do much. Um, and if it is going to do much, like, it needs to be super hyper impactful. Not saying the Floodgate rookies aren't impactful, uh, because they are, but again, depending on how much space the deck has, some have an easier time fitting those in than others. Yeah. And I think there's almost room for counter archetype archetypes at this point. Like, I want the anti-Greymon deck that just all of their cards just say they beat Greymon. I don't even care if... I, I mean, you don't have to make it Greymon specifically. I'm not calling it just because Greymon's the best deck right now. You could make, like, an anti, like, uh, Gabumon deck do the same thing. Make an anti Jessmon deck. I, I just think that it'd be hilarious that you, in an in event, match up against the one guy and he flips his rookie and it's just, like, the inheritable is... Like, if your opponent has a level 6 Greymon, like, trash the top card of their security. <laughs> So, like, what they did with um, the, more of a generic tech than anything, uh, Avenge Kidmon. Because uh, Avenge Kidmon said, yeah. hey, hose on um, you gotta make other it the whole three deck, Musketeers though. deck. I know. I want the Tamer that says anti-Greymon. I want the level three that says anti-Greymon. It's, it's just funny because that's I want like the four the first... and the four X that say anti-Greymon. I, I get it. Like... It's it's just funny because that's the one example that we have of like an anti-specific archetype card that has a lot of good general usability to it. Um, so they definitely could. It's just I don't know what they would like what deck that would be. Uh, I mean, it could easily be like a villain deck like Gizamon, where it's just like these are just weird parts that don't really fit inside of anything, so they could kind of be their own little sub package kind of like where uh leomon is right now where it's just like blue green leomon has this little core but it doesn't have a level six and it doesn't have any level threes so it's like what the heck do you do with this thing um and that's like incomplete packages i find to be the most interesting thing about digimon is like because when you don't have the full set of cards that are designed to make this cohesive deck you kind of get creative, and that's that's where the fun happens. And I get that, like, some people are going to be like, yeah, but without the reprints, we can't necessarily have some of that fun because we don't have access to some of the older cards. And I'm just like, uh, Leoman is currently five cents. You Do do you need to reprint this five-cent card? Oh, he has a $10 alt art? Okay, if if you want to spend that $10, sure, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to be happy with my five-cent card. Um, and... Bandai is definitely not afraid to reprint cards in various other ways. We have the Beelzemon starter deck that's coming out, and they literally gave you everything that you need for Beelzemon inside of that starter deck, including the upgrade pack that they have, where it's just like, oh, I need to spend, like, $50 on the secret rare Beelzemon, or just open up the reprint pack inside of that set, um, and boom, they gave you one copy of the the secret rare with your starter deck. Con congratulations. Like Bandai, even in Dragon Ball is not afraid to reprint cards. Like that's, that's kind of the message that I'm trying to, to get across is like, just because this particular product doesn't necessarily state or say 
explicitly right now there's going to be reprints doesn't necessarily mean we're not getting reprints and they don't reprint cards. I think like just the idea of having the set is cool, but again, as a business, they need to weigh that on how they want to distribute the like distribute the reprints, what reprints they're going to distribute. Is this going to be a profitable pro- product because who's going to buy it? If everyone doesn't need the cards, then why are they reprinting the cards? Like Obviously, the the master's route is uh, they pick the the highest value cards, uh, secretly looking at uh, the secondary market, and then they'll just put in a whole bunch of fluff and filler uh, for the rest of it in hopes that people try to like lottery their way into getting the good cards. Um, but again, is that a meaningful way to be able to get those reprints in people's hands? I, I don't know. I like their direct approach, but I also wouldn't mind a full set. Yeah, that that actually reminds me of something I was going to say earlier. Um, I'm not opposed to larger sets either. I think people don't like... Like, the, the 1.0 and the 1.5 were hard because it was a brand new card game with so many playable pieces in it. And if you wanted to play a certain deck, you had to really search for like a full playset of these really hard-to-find rares and uncommons and stuff like that but magic has larger sets right and they don't have any issues with people having product or being able to play the deck they want based on the cards that they get and i think we just you know cheaper card game different mentality but the mindset we have as digimon players is that oh i should get a full play set of every card if i open like five boxes or a play set of every like uh secret rare if i open a case and that they just play on those safe ratios but magic doesn't play that game magic plays you get two to three mythic rares there are 12 mythic rares you will not get a play set of any of them you'll be lucky if you get one of them and that's part of their philosophy you know besides you know their current you know direction that they're going in but you know this has been going on for a while where you'd need to trade to buy the cards that you actually want right you can't just oh i'm gonna buy three boxes of the new set open them up and have a deck ready to go because more than likely you will not get a mythic rare that even fits in the deck that you wanted to play regardless of you know the fact that their colors are more generic and whatever but you know, if you want to play a green deck and you get a green, red, mythic rare, that doesn't help you. Because you're not running the red mana. You can't play the red card. But I think that's something Digimon could do and not freak out. I, I mean, I think it's more of a Japanese card game thing to have these smaller sets with very easy-to-achieve ratios where, I mean, like I said, I you get four to five boxes, you get a play set of every super rare, basically. In no other card game is that the norm that isn't Japanese. Yeah, uh, I was reading um, the interwebs and some guy was like, hey, uh, is it normal to pull like literally at least one of almost every card except for like three or four um, in one single booster box? And uh, like, yes, for Digimon, yes, that is normal. Because like if if you do the breakdown of like how 
cards are distributed inside of a booster box. Like, one booster box, if you get your secret rare, boom. Uh, that's already four cards away from having at least one card out of the entire set. Uh, and mm-hmm. I kind of like that about Digimon. I like how accessible uh, booster boxes generally are. And they've been that way for quite a while. I, I mean, accessible, yes, I enjoy that portion of it. I just don't like how predictable it is, and it really kind of ruins the box opening and the pseudo-lottery that every card game player kind of wants to play, even though they say they don't like it. When, if I if I know if I'm going to open a box, if I'm like, okay, there's my seventh SR, the rest of these I can throw away. I know there's not going to be an SR there. I know there's not going to be an alt art there. They're sitting in front of me. I can take the next six packs and burn them, knowing that I'm not burning anything of value or anything that I don't need or anything that I need because there's no chance in it. There's And, you know, people post their box openings on Reddit or Facebook or whatever, and they're, oh, man, look at my polls. It's like, yeah, you and everybody else. Everybody got those cards. Maybe minus one replacing, you know, uh, one SR for another. That's it. That's all that's different. I mean, like, there's no fun in that. They're they're just happy that they are getting something, uh, and I get it. Uh, and that's why you should never almost buy any like uh, individual packs for that specific reason, uh, because some people could just like scalp all of the good cards and then leave literally the rest of the box unopened and just be like, Oh look, here's some loose packs. Uh, you could still get something, but I already know as the seller, uh, being a scummy seller, uh, which I'm not, uh, I literally open everything. So I don't have any loose packs, um, outside of the tournament packs that I collect. But, uh, yeah, like that's why you shouldn't buy just loose packs, especially on like eBay or TCG player. Uh, even though they're now the same place, but regardless, um, but people are just happy opening stuff. And I do think like if they are going to do a reprint dedicated booster box, having it be on the larger side probably is for their benefit. Like, yes, it does make pull rates harder, but all of the cards are reprints. They all already exist. You're not trying to hunt down the Gamamon that you really want, but it's now being bloated, um, to the point where I can't find it with, all of the other cards. Same thing with like the super rares and secrets from uh, the the Rising Wind stuff. Like if you're really into that stuff, it's going to be really hard to pull it based on the Japanese stuff uh, and the Japanese ratios. Having it all be in one product, which is why I like the idea of having it be separate products. And uh, if Bandai is listening, I know they're not, but I hope they are. Um, please consider a secondary, like reprint dedicated product. You could put however much cards you want in it. I don't necessarily mind. Um, just to try to make people happy and try to get reprints in people's hands. I still think it's a little early considering the majority of the cards aren't really that expensive. But people want what people want and I'm not going to ruin on their fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a pretty succinct point. Uh, with that, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us. I know this was little kind of a break from the norm but we felt as though it needed to get discussed 
Yeah, uh, we're open to doing not necessarily hardcore meta things, uh, but more topical things when they arise, uh, just because we're still Digimon players at the end of the day, too. So it does affect us, and it does affect our competitive landscape. So it's it's kind of like a correlation uh, type of a deal. Yep. And with that, goodbye. Later. <laughs>